here we go. It's Monday night time for Ira on Sports. True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, taping the show a little bit earlier in the day. We always disclose that. Good reason, though, Ira. You're heading off. You're jet setting tonight when the when show is going to be airing. Yeah, it's headed to New York. I might see the Knicks tomorrow night. Oh, I, I would love to. My Knicks are playing good, and we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit with Andrew Catalan about New York sports and really just the entire football season. Andrew is a wealth of knowledge. He's my favorite. I have a man crush on Andrew Catalan. He's my favorite guest that we have on the show. We do like a half hour with him coming up, and it's just phenomenal hearing his insights. Yes, I can't wait. He's been on the show half a dozen times. He's been great every time. Remember, he has the insight that we don't have in terms of he gets to meet with the coaches and the quarterbacks before the game in terms of preparation before all his games. And he's brought, you know covered, I think, I was like 20 of the teams or 22 of the teams he actually broadcast this year. So I'm excited to have him back on. Yeah, there's nobody better that you can get uh, than Andrew Catalan to talk about the NFL. Super Bowl week is upon us, Ira. And you are the premier knowledge or premier think tank of how to get into these events. This is what you do. Tell us about getting a ticket to the Super Bowl because we're we're talking off air and you're like, I'm not going. I'm gonna be I'll be in Vegas, but I'm not going to the game. You say that every year, you find your way in. But you think this year's different and you really don't think you're gonna There's get no in. chance. Zero. Zero <laughs> chance. There's zero chance I'll go because the fact is that this game, the pricing is just so now enormous. It is so different. I mean, you could go literally go to seven games and sit in great seats of the NBA finals, a seven game, and then maybe throw in a bunch of Stanley Cup finals, and you're still not gonna hit what these tickets are. I mean and there's a lot of people who feel these prices are going to go down, and I've been to a number. Of the, I've been to eight Super Bowls. I've been to the last four, and they're not going down. Like it's just not. They're not going to go down. They're not going to be dropping down, and it's going to be a situation where to get in, prices will be ten thousand dollars. So I think that's where I think the Super Bowl is just at this point. And and the problem is this. And I'll, it's not just to say why is the ticket price so high. Unlike any other sporting event, because no other sporting event doesn't let you sell your tickets. Because it, you, either in the old days you could stand outside and say, "Here's a ticket, sell it on the sell it on the street," or go online. But when the NFL gives you this ticket, and I have friends who now have tickets, it's like in order even to claim your ticket, you don't even have the ticket. You have just this right. It's like the Willy Wonka chocolate factory door. <laughs> you have to literally go to Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, walk down there before the day of the game, go in through this line, go get these things. You're not going to be in a situation where you can sell that ticket, and it's so difficult. And if somehow you sell this ticket and you work for and you get it from one of these teams, you're going to lose your season and ticket privileges, you're going to lose it. You're told you will lose your season ticket privileges and they've taken those away. Everybody knows that's happened. If you work for a company, you're going to lose your job. Is it worth yeah. losing your job to make a few thousand dollars selling a ticket? No. So it's like this point is that it's the one game. Now the AFC championship game, you can sell your ticket. For the NFC championship game, sell your ticket. World Series, NBA Finals, all those other games, you can sell your tickets. The Super Bowl is the only game that I can imagine that you can't sell your tickets for. It's like, it's ridiculous. And I think that if they let teams, if they said, okay, just sell them, feel free. You're going to see prices drop because now that the NFL, they're selling their tickets at, at their their faces on the tickets is eight thousand dollars and seven thousand. In the old old days, the old days, like five years ago, it used to be the <laughs> highest was like like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Now the cheapest is a thousand to get in, and it goes all the way. Some tickets are fifteen thousand, whatever, on these NFL packages and whatever. But really, I mean, I said a friend who was offered a ticket from a team and was like eight thousand. That's face eight thousand dollars. So it has just become an impossible game to go to, and it's it's worse than the Masters. I mean, the Masters you can. Go Go to for fifteen hundred dollars. You can go to the Masters for two thousand. Yeah, people think the Masters is the most you know elusive event to this attend. Is, this is four <laughs> times that now. So it's it's at another level, and it's you know people say, well, it's like the Olympics, the World Cup. I had friends who went to the World Cup. Nothing like this. This there's nothing because it, it is. I'm saying it. It is the difficulty of reselling. There's only if you go online to Subway right now. There's like four hundred tickets available, and those are people that somehow got them that they're able to sell them. The bad of people that have a ticket that they actually can resell. That's what causes these prices. They're not going to go down. There's just not enough tickets. 
for them to go down. Scarcity is a huge issue here. And it doesn't matter what teams. You could have Carolina versus whatever. Seattle. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter anymore where the lo- it doesn't matter the location and it doesn't even matter where the teams are. The scarcity of these tickets is so, it just creates this that you can't sell. And so when you create skits, like, you know, take an economics class, supply and demand. <laughs> when there's this one supply, that's what happens. And, and, and that's why these prices are so high. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go there. I'll be to Vegas. I love going to the parties. I love seeing the atmosphere. It'll be great to be there. But to think that I'm going to go, and I, look, last year, miracle, I got in. I mean, at the last minute, a friend had a ticket and he was able to sell it to me. He was asking for twice what he was doing and then in the morning. And then he said, you know what? I'll sell it to you at half. I got super lucky on that ticket. The Rams was just a weird situation where someone took me to that. Tampa with the Chiefs, same situation. It was just the craziest thing. And then uh, the New England game in the, uh, uh, over the Rams in Atlanta. Man, I was sitting in that Atlanta hotel forever. And finally, I got it. I overpaid, you know, a zillion dollars to sit in one of the worst seats in the house. And then <laughs> Seattle, Denver in the in New York. That was the crazy Super Bowl because that's when that was a weird Super Bowl because it was in New York and it was cold. And so I think some teams were and 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 that the tickets that was before, you know before COVID. So teams tickets were moving around, but and it was supposed to be you know ice storm for the game. That was supposedly nice, and I think that made the prices go much. But you know, I go back to like the cheap the 2010 Miami Super Bowl, New Orleans versus Indy. I literally drove down there. From from West Palm Beach, and I bought a ticket for like nine hundred dollars that I thought was good, and then I get the good there, old days. and then the chance of then there was a better ticket for eight. You know, I sold that one and whatever, and I'm sitting literally on the first row of the Dolphin Stadium on the first row of the upper deck for like eight hundred dollars. I mean, it's impossible. You can't even get a program now for eight hundred dollars. But that was what that was that Super Bowl. Those days are so far gone that you're going to walk in, and that was before you know Ticketmaster and I mean the StubHub and all that stuff. So everything has changed. I just think this is a difficult game. Now, the one thing I will say about that we were talking about hotels and stuff, I do think that there's not as many people. I think people thought that Vegas, you couldn't even get in. There's no way you can get flights. You can't get hotels. I think that because Vegas is number one place that people go to for the Super Bowl. But I think that this year, I think people were scared away a little bit because I do see hotel prices dropping a lot. And I see, you know, ticket, you can still fly there and all those other things. But I, what I don't see is the uh, is the tickets ever. People think they're going to go down, but they're not. And that's what baffled me talking off air. By the way, it's Ira on Sports, True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Follow Ira across social media at Ira on Sports. I'm sure he'll have some Super Bowl pictures uh, coming up. I will not be at the Super Bowl. I'm not going to be there. That's what struck me. I listened to a lot of Vegas radio. I like the the betting aspect of it. And they were saying that in a a Super Bowl year that's not in Vegas, the city's packed anyway because friends go to Vegas to bet the Super Bowl, to, to watch it in Vegas. You're saying that the hotel, like you can go to the embassy suites and pay more for a hotel room right here in Palm Beach Gardens than in Vegas right now, right. which is crazy to, to think about. I think it's scared. I think it scared people off. I think that aspect of it, it's sort of like the uh, Formula One that you saw where hotel prices just dropped. I think that they really priced them too high, scared people off. And now the prices, there's less people that are coming. People are like, you know what? I normally go to Vegas and have a good time, but I'm not going to go there and spend a fortune and it's going to be too difficult. I think it's going to be just a good, it's going to be a normal uh, Vegas football weekend. I don't think it's going to be in terms of the Super Bowl not anything like the craziest thing, but the prices on the game. Also, that's a smaller stadium. It's not, it's like a 62,000 seat stadium. It's not like Dallas Stadium, AT&T, which is like 80 some thousand and things like that. So it's 20,000 less tickets. Yeah, there's 20,000 <laughs> less tickets. And, and and so I think from that, and also there's so many people in the city that are going to rest and go into the game. I just think that's going to be hard, but the parties will be great. And I love going to those things and it'll, it'll be good. Just the atmosphere to be around there. You'll run into last, look, last year I was at the Super Bowl. You know, I'm sitting at a, a bar and Jim Kelly, I'm talking to him and it's just going to taste of uh, the Super Bowl when you go and meet all these celebrities and other football players. I mean, they're all 
everybody who's any who's playing the NFL is there at the Super Bowl. So it's fun to see that. And I'm like sure that. you're going to get us some great interviews. Every time you go to one of these events, you end up finding Eddie George's and stuff Yes, like I'm like in the gym, the show. at the gym on Monday afternoon, <laughs> working out in a gym. And we're staying at a hotel that was like, you know, 20 minutes from this event game, like a Marriott in the middle of nowhere. And there's Eddie, you know, someone, I'm like, you're Eddie George. You know, I'm like, I start talking to him and then we got him on the show in a couple weeks. So that would be great to get someone like that on. Regardless of what you say now, I'm sure Sunday around 6.15 p.m. I'm going to get a selfie no, of you at the 50-yard no, line. No, well, no, Well, you have to follow Ira on sports on social media to find out if he gets in. We're going to talk about this game uh, a lot with Andrew Catalan coming up. But let's talk about it from our point of view. We're looking at these two teams. San Francisco, they're kind of limping in. I don't want to say limping in because the second half of the Lions game was just a juggernaut. But they didn't look great in the six quarters before that. Then you have a Chiefs team that... People might not want to admit this. They're winning games with defense. Patrick Mahomes is not winning these games. He's still the best in the business, but this hasn't been a, a great example of Patrick Mahomes and what he can do. So it, it's kind of hard to gauge what we're going to get from the 49ers in this game, what we're going to get from the Chiefs in this game. How are we breaking this down? Well, I think the, the 49ers season was weird. They started out like, the Pittsburgh game, 30-7. to 7. Then they beat the Chargers, 30-23, and the Giants in Arizona. Then the, then the Dallas game was the game, when they totally destroyed Dallas. The game's the over at halftime, 42-10. And then after that game, then they went in that little lull. They lost to Cleveland. They could have kicked the field goal to win. They didn't do that. They didn't lose Minnesota. They lost to Cincinnati. So it was like really weird. Like what happened? Then they had a bye week. After the bye week, they came back. And that's when they played Jacksonville. Remember that Jacksonville game at Jacksonville? Like this is a big game. They crushed them 34-3. The game was over in the first quarter yeah. of the game. And then, then they, Tampa, they won 27-14. Then they won at Seattle 31-13. Everyone was talking about that Philly game. That Philly game is going to be a big game. This is this. At Philadelphia, the game was at Philadelphia. And they, they destroyed Philadelphia 42 that was the fire Sirianni game. Yeah, fire, it's all done with that. Then they go back and beat Seattle and Arizona, and you think everything's under control. San Francisco looks like they're going to, and then the Ravens go there and beat them 33-19. You're like, now that's the doubts are back. Like, what happened with those? And then they beat Washington at the end to get the, the number one seed, and they lose the Rams in a game where they played their their substitutes. But then you go in the play, regular, you go in the playoffs, and the Green Bay game, 24-21, and then Detroit, 34-31. They, you know, they didn't look, they looked, they almost lost, I mean, everyone in the Detroit game, they came back that second half, but they didn't look good. And then I was reading about in the San Francisco press, and they're talking about the team, they weren't focused, they look at the film, they weren't trying, they weren't hustling. I mean, how do you not trust when the AFC in the NFC Championship game? And then like, that's Chase Young, and you look at their talent. So I feel like, where is this team? Is this, is, are we going to see the Pittsburgh team, the team that crushed Pittsburgh 30 to 7? Like, is that the team we're going to see? Because if we see that team, they are going to boat race this KZ defense. They are going to run and run and run and run at this whole game. They're going to win, and I think they're going to win by two touchdowns. And I think that's the team we're going to see. I think if you can't get motivated for the Super Bowl, then you just can't be playing football. Every single person I talk to says the Chiefs are going to crush them because of Patrick Mahomes. And I've, I've stated it many times. I'm an idiot because I keep betting against Patrick Mahomes. But I ask them this question when they say that, Ira. If this game gets to 30 points, if San Francisco scores 30 points, you think the Chiefs are going to score 30? And they kind of step back like, maybe you're right because they don't score that many points. And, and that's how I'm looking at it. I heard a great stat. They're one of five teams ever to not allow 28 points in a season. That's phenomenal. The defense is winning games for this team. But... Like you said, if they can run the ball down their throat, which that is the I don't want to throw on Snead and um, and McDuffie. I'd rather run the ball, and that's what San Francisco is very good at. If they get up, I, I just can't see a way Kansas City can come back in this game. Mahomes is a magician, but I haven't seen him 
win games on his shoulders in a long time. That's how I'm I'm phrasing it. And I do think that Kate, uh, that San Francisco gets the 30 plus. I see like a 34 21 here, and people think I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm just gonna stand by San Francisco. People are forgetting this is not the Patrick Mahomes team with Tyreek Hill and the Tyreek Hill ability to just get wide open yeah. and when Pat think when Patrick Mahomes runs around and he's like buying time and Tyreek Hill arm throw, and, yeah. and Tyreek Hill can run down there and he goes so far and he can find it. That's I mean those big games that they had was with Tyreek Hill. Now of course well, they won the Super Bowl last year, but they went with they had Juju Smith Schuster last year who played well. It seemed like their receiving core was even better last year than this year with with with. Uh, but I feel like like if you look at I'm just gonna go through their games. You know they started they lost the Detroit game when the season started. Then they won against Jacksonville, Chicago, the Jets, Minnesota, Denver, and then they and then they beat Chargers. And then they had that bad loss to Denver, 24-9. Like how do you Denver's the worst team and yeah. they lose 24-9 to Denver? And they're like oh forget it. But then they beat Miami in England and Europe and that was crazy, 21-14. But then they lose to Philadelphia, 21-17. They win at Vegas where he had a good, a good game. And then at Green Bay they lose at Green Bay. Then they lose at Buffalo on the game when Tony was offsides or not offsides. And then they beat New England, but then they lose to Vegas again, 20 to 14. And they're nine and six at that point. And then they ended up beating Cincinnati to get that to get into the playoffs. So that made it 20. You know, so that was good. But their year was just so weird in terms of they had a lot of bad losses. I felt like it wasn't that great. And then of course the Miami win in the playoffs was great. The Buffalo win, you know, they had these three good playoff wins, but they weren't dominating offensive performances. And they have had trouble. And we saw in the Miami game, we talked about this. They cannot score in the red zone. They cannot. And one of the reasons when they had Tyreek Hill, when they had Tyreek Hill, they, he, he they didn't need to be in the red zone because he's catching the ball for 34 yards. We saw with the Dolphins, this same problem. Tyreek Hill has so many long touchdown passes that when you finally get to the red zone, you run into trouble because he's all, you're not used to it. They have a great kicker in Harrison Butner. He's better than Moody, but I feel like they run in, they're, they're, they, so many, the Miami game is like field goal after field goal after field goal. Even the Buffalo game was, you know, field goals. I feel like in that aspect of it made that difficult. I, I'm just not sold. I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is great. I think he's fantastic, but he's not, It's he's one guy. It's, if it was LeBron James or Michael Jordan, it's one thing, but he can't control their defense. And I just look at, as I said, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a dominant game in this game for this. So what you made about the comment about the red zone makes a lot of sense. And that's, what are they going to do once they get in the red zone? Obviously Pacheco is, is a threat, but if they're throwing the ball, it's going to be to Travis Kelsey. And what does San Francisco have? The best linebacking core in the league. The, the people that can cover Travis Kelsey, if there's anyone. I'll take Fred Warner and the rest of the crew there. I think it's going to be hard for them to score in the red zone. It's going to be... I love the Pacheco anytime touchdown prop because inside of 10 yards and 15 yards, they're going to try to hand it to Pacheco twice because they, I don't think he's confident in throwing to Rashi Rice or Justin Watson or one of these guys when he needs to. Is there anything else you want to talk about in this game? Because it, it, it's... I don't know. I, like the more I think about it, the more I just. Saw I'm, talking to, I'm talking to you in it, but look, Kansas City's rushing game was poor this year. They, as much as you want to think so, they were ranked. Um, you know, in terms of points, though, San Francisco averaged 29 points a game, number two in the league. Kansas City was only 15th. You think with Patrick Mahomes, they're better than 15th at 22 points a game, and and rushing wise, Kansas City was 13th in the league, and San Francisco was third. And but on in terms of defense, San Francisco has one of the best rushing defenses in the league. They only against they were you know in terms of stopping the run, and uh, they were fifth. But Kansas City's rough, rushing defense was seventeenth. So when I look at these numbers, I'm like the only chance that Kansas City should they should not be able to run. They're going to try, but I don't think they're going to run against them. They're going to force some Mahomes to pass. They don't have the wide receivers. But on the defensive side, the strength. I, I, everyone's saying Purdy, 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 Purdy. I'm looking at runs by McCaffrey. I can see McCaffrey running for forty yards and thirty yards touch and Debo Samuel running for 20 yards and 30 yards and doing things for Ayuk and for 20 yards. I, I think they are going to pound this ball. I don't
don't. I think Purdy might throw the ball 15, 20 times. I don't. This is not a Brock Purdy game. And they're going to when the games are like I say, well, he didn't really win it. The rushing game won it or whatever. But it doesn't matter. I really think this is the game that they're going to dominate. And it's like, well, they're saying, well, why didn't Baltimore do it? Well, Baltimore didn't do it. And I'm and I'm saying they were baited they five it. times in the second half. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they're and they're a better running team than Baltimore. They're a much better running team than Baltimore. I think you're going to see Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel both. I mean, I both have these huge numbers. And then when they go back to pass, Brock Purdy, you saw how he can scramble. He scrambles really well. You know, you look at their offense, Purdy, McCafferty, Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, Jusic, they're, they're fullback. They're the best fullback in the league. They're the best running back in the league. One of the two or three best tight ends in the league. One of the two of the best wide receivers in the league. The best left tackle in the league. This team is, they're going to dominate. I mean, I, that's why I'm thinking 41. My score was 41-27. I just don't think they're stopped. I am concerned if it's close, though, because I don't like Moody, their kicker. That's, against, the, that's the weak spot. But <laughs> that, and I think, but then if you look at your defense, I'll tell you what, Chase Young has got to have a big game. I mean, you look at Chase Young, Armstead, Hargrave, and Bosa on their line, that is, it's like a, a Pro Bowl line. Yeah, they, on one ha, team. they cannot, and they look bad. And then Greenlaw and Warner at linebackers are tremendous. All over Kelsey. Oh, and they got to stop. And, and, I, and I went through and I looked at all the games, and Mahomes is 3 and 0 against uh, the Kyle Shanahan like uh, the team in terms of in October. In 2018, he played against Jimmy G. Now, this guy, this is Jimmy G. And when he had Hill and everything, and they well, Chiefs won 38-27. Mahomes had 314 yards, three touchdowns. Of course, you remember the Super Bowl against Jimmy G when they were down 20 to 10, came back. But remember that game, he only had two touchdowns and two interceptions. It wasn't the greatest game possible. But Tyreek Hill in that game had nine catches, 105 yards. So that helped him win that Super Bowl. And then uh, in 2022, they played. Now, they didn't have Hill. But that's when Mahomes had 423 yards, three touchdowns. They just had made that trade last year to get McCafferty. But he's 3-0 against San Francisco. So when I see those stats and numbers, I'm like, oh, I'm a little nervous. But I'm like you. I just think this is – I'm looking at their defense. I'm looking at their, to the players they have. And uh, and, I, and I look, I like the Chiefs' defense too. I think Willie Gay, Bolton, you're going to see Chris Jones, Snead, you know, a cornerback, phenomenal. They have all these great players. But on offense, I just saw – all the drop balls, everything all, you know, I think Rice, you know, it's hard for rookies to do well in the, in the playoffs. I just, you know, and it, and they got to be able to stop Kelsey. Like, they have to stop Kelsey. Like He's the I, only guy you got to stop. Warner and Greenlaw stop Kelsey and stay with him, and they're so athletic. I just, I don't see it, and I just don't see, and I saw, because if you're saying, if Patrick Holmes had thrown for 400 yards against Baltimore and looked amazing. Totally throw, different story right now. But at, he they had two drives in that first quarter, and from the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, besides the pass, the scandling at the end of the game, he did absolutely nothing during that whole game. It's three and out. And I think against the the thing, if you go three and out, if they go three and out against the 49ers, so think of this game. It's the 49ers score a touchdown, 7 nothing. The 49 the Chiefs go three and out. The 49ers take another eight-minute drive, go down 14 nothing. Chiefs go three and out. It's going to be the game's, the, over. The game's going to get away because the, the 49ers have the ability that these other teams don't have is they can just milk the clock and run. Uh, Dan Campbell made that comment. He's like, he was afraid that they could watch you on a fourth down because, because we're playing a team that can take the ball for nine minutes and just have a nine-minute drive because they have so many running backs and so many. They have their backup running back is Elijah Mitchell. Like yeah. they can still do. That. I <laughs> He's mean, this a starter is, on most teams. They tried without a quarterback. Remember, they were they had no quarterback last year against the Eagles, and just by running the ball, they almost. They stayed sort of in the game a little bit, yeah. you know, with that, without no, they play this like we're going to play no quarterback and still stayed in that game. That's why I think the 49ers, and I think it, I think, look, they're one point, two point favorite. I think they should be a seven point favorite. This is the whole Mahomes factor, but I just don't, I mean, he's, he did lose against Brady. Like he's lost games before he lost against Burrow. I mean, he has lost games. I know he's 14 and three, two or 14 and three in the playoffs and he's been tremendous, but he's not 17 and oh, so he has been beaten. And I just think, and I saw him in the regular season and he doesn't have 
the lack of Tyreek Hill. And I think, look, I feel they should never let him go. If they, they had Tyreek Hill, I would say the Chiefs would win because I think Tyreek Hill is that much of a difference maker. But they don't have Tyreek Hill. They have Kelsey and they have some other wide receivers, Rice, whatever, that are interesting. But Tyreek Hill is that difference maker on that team. Here's what I needed to hear. And I heard this listening to, to Vegas podcasts and radio. More money's on Kansas City. The bigger bets are on San Francisco. The sharp betters and the big, the sharks are betting San Francisco. The public is betting KC. And that's kind of how we look at it. Anyone you talk to thinks KC is going to win this game. We're kind of on the opposite side of the coin. And I like to be against the public when, when I'm betting, if possible. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And we'll talk more on next Monday about it. I think you're going to see, I said 41-27. I think you're going to see McCaffrey win the MVP. And I think he's going to, because I think he's going to have 150 yards. And I think he's going to have a great game. And I think Debo Samuel, and I think it's either between the two of them. I think I think you're going to see Samuel take some crazy. They don't want to give it to Brock Purdy. So it's it, that helps his case. Right. Too. They're not going to get And I think it's going to be one of those two that's going to win Purdy it. Purdy has three touchdowns and 320 plus yards. But to, I, to get the MVP. I, I looked at my pictures from the game, the Raven game, and I looked at so many of those pictures and I saw, it, it was weird. It just seems that there was, Lamar Jackson, I don't know what he was doing because there were times when I looked at the pictures and videos where he could have ran that ball and the field was wide open. And he chose not what to. What was Todd Munkin doing? And it was just between Jackson and Munkin and decision making and everything. And I cannot believe the 49ers are going to look at that and say, we're going to do what they didn't do against the Chiefs. And we're going to run the ball and we're going to control this game. And we're going to beat the we're going to beat the Chiefs like we did the Steelers and these other teams. Remember the Steeler defense. We gave you how excited I was coming into the season. I thought the Steelers were the greatest team in the world. The preseason they looked amazing. They, they had the best defense. TJ Watt. Our defense was destroyed. I mean, our Steelers defense the whole year was tremendous. That first game was unbelievable. It was over in the first <laughs> quarter. It was over in the first quarter. And I think that's what I see happening in this game. But I'm I'm pumped. I mean, someone said they can't be excited with this game. How can you not be excited about this? This is game? the matchup America should want. Nobody wants to see the Cowboys in there. There might be a little Chiefs fatigue. But did you want to see Ravens Lions? I mean, I think it'd be a great game, but you should want to see the best quarterback on the planet versus the best roster in football. And that's what we're getting right you now. You want to see the stars. You want to see LeBron. You want to see Jordan. You want to see the stars. Mahomes is a star. And then you got the best team in the NFC with San Francisco. What else? I mean, to me, this is great. It's sort of the Steelers. If your team's not in the playoffs, yeah. If you're a Jet fan, you're so upset. But Those people want to see Marino Montana. That must be what it is. Like, <laughs> but, what do you want here? But some people say, I want to see the Lions. I'm like, yeah, if you're Detroit fans, whatever. I, again, and, and all this Chiefs fatigue, but I want to, you want it. That's like people saying that Jordan fatigue or LeBron. Like, look, they're in it. They're great. Yeah. They're phenomenal. That's what they're going to watch. They're going to draw. I mean, as much as Denver, Miami was the ratings worth that's over the top to have Denver, Miami. So the point is that, no, I think people want to see that. And, but I do think I just come back to this. I keep thinking about Tyreek Hill and I watched the Pro Bowl yesterday and he's catching balls and he's wearing shorts and they're in Orlando. And I'm thinking if, if Tyreek Hill wasn't in that game because he was on the Chiefs uniform and they kept him, I think that's a huge difference in this game. And I think it could cost them. I, I think they're going to, I do think they're going to regret. They did win that title last year, but I think winning multiple titles is getting rid of Tyreek Hill. We, uh, we have just one minute till we get to Andrew Catalan from CBS Sports. But real quick, I have to bring up, we're going to talk coaching with him. But one thing that we haven't discussed in the show is the, the most recent coaching hire, Dan Quinn, going from Cowboys defensive coordinator to the Washington Redskins head coach. I'm sure Jerry didn't like losing him in division. But they're bringing Cliff Kingsbury. There was rumors of him getting to L.A. and running the offense for Antonio Pierce. Regardless, we've got a new front, a new regime in Washington. 
and a new quarterback coming in. We don't know who that quarterback's going to be yet. But what's your take on it? This whole Washington thing was crazy. First of all, when they when they when they when they when they brought in Dan Quinn and decided to hire him, everyone was attacking it. But like a month ago, people thought Quinn was a genius. He was, he was the hot great. Hire, yeah. He was a great defense. Look, he did terrible against uh, against Green Bay. Had a bad game, but he's still. I mean, you know, but but in terms of going into the going to Washington, I thought like it wasn't any different than Canales or Callahan or all these other quarterbacks or other assistants they chose. But to bring Kingsbury in, the interesting thing is that he was a quarterback coach at Caleb Williams in USC, and Caleb Williams was is you know went to Gonzaga High School in DC. So there's this thought that maybe he'll whole try to push and go to Washington instead of Chicago, and you know that's just you know that's the thought you know this could be one of those things that something could happen with a back and forth ira on sports and here we go with one of our favorite guests it's andrew catalan cbs sports broadcaster andrew thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and i want to once again congratulate you on just a fantastic season me and ira love you know watching red zone every sunday and finding where's andrew this week and just listening to you to your calls of the games you do a great job and thank you so much for joining us ah it's nice you guys i appreciate it it's good to be back on with you on this uh, super bowl week so let me tell you a quick story. My wife's a little bit crazy, and she's one of these people that the day after Thanksgiving, you have to set Christmas up. And one thing that's a constant in my house is Comedy Central is on the TV. I love Seinfeld. I love The Office. I love South Park. It's just always on. So I'm in the other room, and I'm on top of the ladder getting ready to put the star on the tree. And I jump down from my ladder, and she's like, what's going on? And I, <laughs> I think I hear Andrew Catalan on Comedy Central. I run around, and sure enough, it's you doing a promo for Comedy Central, and you end up doing this for a month, these fantastic, hilarious promos. I just want to know how this partnership and marriage came to be between you and being the face of Comedy Central for a month. <laughs> for a month, yeah. No, it was so much fun. I'd never really done anything like that before. But uh, Paramount owns CBS and Comedy Central, so there was a, a, nas- uh, a, na- a natural partnership there, and that's how I kind of got in the fold. And yeah, I just went to New York to their studio one day in November and taped a whole bunch of skits and promos and just had fun with it, really. Just kind of ad-libbed a whole bunch of things. And then to their credit, I mean, I, they went through a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of video, <laughs> a lot of recordings. They had to put it all together, and it, I, it was really cool how it all came out and it was something that I enjoyed doing, and um, they seemed to be happy with it, so it was fun. But it's it's so funny you say that because I think I got more texts and calls about the Comedy Central thing than some of my football games. <laughs> that was something that became more popular than my actual real job. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but it was fun. Uh, I was When they announced they had a new host of The Daily Show, I was like, please let it be Andrew Catalan. Like, <laughs> this would be perfect. <laughs> I don't think that's good for anybody. I don't think they're going to want that or, or I'd be a good fit there either. So we don't have to worry about that. So, Andrew, can we revisit something? The, the national media kind of after the Ravens-Chiefs game, I feel like everyone gravitated towards what the Chiefs did to win. And me and I were kind of looking at it like, what the Ravens do to lose? They brought in Todd Munkin, who revitalized Lamar Jackson's career. He's probably going to win an MVP here. He had a great season. In that game, they abandoned everything that they seemed to do the entire season that worked for them. It was a completely different game plan, a completely different Lamar Jackson, and a terrible outcome for for them in the end. What was your thoughts on how the Ravens approached this game? Yeah, I think you make a good point. I mean, I think that the Chiefs are playing some really good offensive football right now in in the last two games, probably the best they've looked offensively the the whole season. Uh, but that was a game that you know I didn't think ball I didn't expect Baltimore to come out like that. I, I really thought that playing at home with the momentum they had, that crowd, you know, I, I expected a better performance from the Ravens. And sure, you can look at the offensive game plan 
uh, almost the opposite in some ways of what they had done throughout the year. Uh, that's a bitter loss for Baltimore. I, th- I thought they were in a really good position. Uh, Chiefs were just coming off a really emotional game against Buffalo, back on the road. Um, so there's no doubt there's going to be some uh, lingering bitterness in Baltimore this offseason. But that said, I still think they have a very good team and a good coach and a very good quarterback, an excellent quarterback, as you said, maybe MVP. So I think they'll be back, but you know you only get so many uh, cracks at the bat at, at this and getting to the Super Bowl and getting the win, and I think they're going to remember this one for a while. You want to know what's funny? Um, Ira was at that game, and he was saying after the game, the feel like Baltimore was just a deflated city. They get, you walk the streets, there's nobody out. It was just, you know, the, the wind was taken out of their sails. I'm sure you've seen this a lot throughout your career. Is there something that stands out to you where a city after the game was just flat i mean just like everyone went home and went to uh you know to, to cry about it like i'm sure you've seen this before yeah i mean i would probably go back one week to buffalo i mean i'm sure <laughs> they're in the same boat i mean they, that's all they live and breathe up there is buffalo bills football and you know this is another time now where the chiefs have sent them home and you know i really think that you know, I, I, people talk about windows closing and everything i, I don't want to get too much into that but this is a buffalo team with Josh Allen that, you know, is, you know, primed to win. This this is, they built it up to win uh, this year. Um, now they had a lot of defensive injuries, and I think that really caught up to them against the Chiefs in that divisional round game. Uh, but, you know, I think that the feeling in Baltimore is probably very similar to the feeling in Buffalo this offseason. So it's interesting, you said maybe MVP for Lamar. And me and Ira agree with you. I, I, I think that the narrative is he's going to win. And I'm, I, if I had to bet on it, I'm betting Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP. Me and Ira would take Christian McCaffrey, but we realize it's a quarterback's award. And he was the quarterback of the best regular season team. Probably going to win. I'm looking at the stats, though, and things like that. Josh Allen had a better season than he did. Dak, Dak Prescott had a better season than Lamar. Who's your MVP if you had to pick, Andrew? Yeah, I would take Lamar, and the reason I said maybe earlier was just because, you know, we don't know yet. You never know what could happen sometimes in the voting, but, you know, I think that, you know, you take Lamar out of that Ravens offense, it's, they, they can't really run their offense without him. I mean, he, he they designed the offense around him, and I think that the way that they got it done, I mean, going to San Francisco on Christmas and blowing the doors off the 49ers, I mean, I think that was maybe, you know, probably the game that wrapped it up for them. Um, they got the one seed, as you said, it's usually a quarterback award. I, I just think it all points to Lamar and you can make a case for some of the other guys you mentioned, but I think it'll be Lamar's trophy. I, I agree with you, but it's like, we're looking at C-Mac and through week 10 or 12, it was like Tyreek Hill. <laughs> but again, it's a quarterback's award. Ira, what do you have for Andrew? Andrew, I guess the, the big offseason question was, and I was at the Rose Bowl and I was the national championship game and also the Michigan-Ohio State game and Jim Harbaugh. And I don't think there's ever been a coach that's, he's not like a true college coach. He was an NFL pro quarterback for 15 years. Then he's coaches in the college and he goes to the pros and is successful for San Francisco, takes the team to the Super Bowl, then goes back to college successful. It's He's really primed, you know, it, it, there's been never a, a coach like him and he looks like he's going to the most, the perfect situation with Justin Herbert. First of all, in my second life, I want to come back as you. You go to more sporting events than I do, and it's my job to go to these sporting events. Uh, but no, you make a good point. I think it's a great fit. I, I thought that was, you know, really the most attractive job in the off season, 
because of Justin Herbert. I mean, I think that, you know, this is another team that with some of the pieces they have defensively and, and who I think is one of the best quarterbacks in the league now, he's got to start winning some more games. And uh, But I think that this is the right spot for Harbaugh. I think it's a great landing spot for him. I think that's obviously a tough division that you're walking into, but you've got a, a pretty much a ready-made team to start winning immediately. Um, so I, I think that it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's L.A., Harbaugh, with all the attention, and, you know, he's going to bring a lot of his guys in to, to, you know, coach these guys up, which, you know, that's probably been the issue the last couple of years, not putting it all on Brandon Staley, but, you know, he had a tough go there these last couple of seasons. So I think if you're the Chargers, you have some older ownership, you, you know, this is a win-now type of team as well. And I think it makes a lot of sense, this marriage between Harbaugh and the Chargers. And going into the offseason, the two coaches that seem to be, I mean, the big surprise that we're waiting for decisions to be made, besides Mike Tomlin's decision with the Steelers, but in terms of the coaches, in terms of the ownership, is McCarthy for Dallas and Soriani for Philadelphia. Both, you know, they both stayed. <laughs> it seems like on as shaky a ground as you can imagine. But were you surprised that they decided they, had, they both stayed in the, as positions as the head coaches? I'm not overly surprised that Sirianni stayed. I, I am surprised at McCarthy. I thought that Jerry Jones would have that, you know, maybe knee-jerk reaction after that playoff loss, and especially with Bill Belichick out there, I thought that that made, you know, I could have saw that coming. So I, I'm more surprised that McCarthy is still there. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's a rough one to recover from. Uh, but some, to give Jerry Jones some credit, he wants some continuity, at least, you know, for another season. They lose Dan Quinn to Washington, but, you know, they're going to have some continuity there and see if they can run it back. But I, I, I'm more surprised that he stayed in Syriani. And then getting back to Belichick in terms of with eight coaching openings, uh, he is interviews for a couple of them, isn't hired or decides not to take maybe a land or however the decisions went down. But now he's going to not be coaching this year. Uh, that I think is, I mean, I think that is a surprise to a lot of people. But, you know, for me, I felt like it had to be the perfect fit for him. It had to be a team that wanted to bring him in and sort of give him control. And it just, he couldn't find that place. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably. A part of it, obviously, we don't know these conversations that he had with ownership, but it it would seem to me that you know he was going to be picky about where he ended up. He would want the you know the right situation where he could control some personnel. Again, this is all speculation, but I think it makes some sense. And you know, he doesn't have to coach this year. I mean, he could wait for the right situation next year, which you know, as it is in the NFL these days, <laughs> there's. there's at least five openings, it seems, every year. Um, so who knows what he'll do? He doesn't have to do anything, I'm sure. But, he, uh, you know, he can be. You know, I've done some production meetings with him. He, he, he could be really good on TV if he so chooses. I mean, he is a historian. He, he's a, he loves football. He can break it down um, like nobody else. Uh, so I'd be fascinated to see if he goes that route for a year. I still expect that. He will coach again. I think that record and passing Shula means a lot to him. And I think that whatever the situation is next offseason will probably be very appealing. Uh, but in the short term, I'm curious to see if he does TV because I think he would be a very interesting watch. Another person who think they go to TV is Mike Vrabel uh, for Tennessee Titans. So it seemed like there was a power struggle in Tennessee. He leaves. He doesn't seem to find a job. But again, he's you know much, much younger than Belichick. You're thinking he's going to be the, one of the hottest coaching candidates coming to next session, you know, taking a year off and jumping back in in terms of finding the right situation for him. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I think he did a great job in Tennessee. Uh, they had a ton of injuries throughout his entire tenure, but the players loved playing for him, and I was surprised that they, they made a move there. Um, and, and, again, I think you're right. I think that he'll be a prime candidate next year. So what? He takes a year off, big deal, catches breath a little bit. But I, I, would, I, I mean, I think that he's an excellent coach, and any team would be lucky to have him. Now, the one good thing about your job, post-op, <laughs> myself, which just goes to the games, is that you have to co- talk to offensive coordinators, the coaches, the quarterbacks, and prep for the game. So you've really, you know, some of these offensive coordinators, we don't hear. They're not interviewed. They're nothing like Canales went to Carolina, Callahan at Tennessee, uh, Mayo of the Patriots, Pierce Raiders, you know, Quinn the Commanders, and McDonald and Seahawks. Which one of these are you like, wow, I think they might be one of those that's going to come out and be super that first year, or or you wait till you see when this person gets that, you know, his own team, what they're going to be doing? Yeah, I, I think Mike McDonald has a really bright future. He's, he's a young, energetic guy. He's been around some great people, you know, both Harbaugh brothers. Remember, he was the Michigan defensive coordinator, and he also obviously with, uh, with John Harbaugh in Baltimore for several years as an assistant and the defensive coordinator. I think that's a good fit up in Seattle. Obviously, a great ownership group, good structure with the general manager. I could see that McDonald, you know, in Seattle makes, makes a lot of sense and could be really good. Um, you know, but, you know, all these guys are worthy. I mean, you know, you could make the case that the offensive coordinator is the third most important position on a football team behind the head coach and the quarterback. I mean, I think in, in this day and age, these offensive coordinators are, are massively important. So you get a, a Callahan or a Canales and, you know, the, obviously first time through it for them, but, you know, uh, they know what they're doing. They've been in the, the, the meetings with the head coaches and the quarterbacks, and uh, it seems to be that's the way it's, it's gone these days. So I don't think you did a Dolphin game this year, which is disappointing that you didn't get a chance to do any Dolphin games. But, you know, we're down here in Miami. I mean, that it seems like, you know, this year, that the last month, you talk about deflated. It seemed like everything. I mean, they were going to be worst case scenario, the two seed. You know, they were gunning for the one seed. And suddenly, you know, they're out of the playoffs in the first. You know, they're playing Kansas City in a minus 50 degree temperatures and they're out of the playoffs. Like, where do you think the Dolphins go from this? You know, they changed defensive coordinator with Fangio. He leaves. Um, but where do you think they go in terms of, you know, they, you know, with Tua and McDaniels, everything uh, going forward? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that they were looking scary midway through the year and thought they would really be a, a threat to, to get the one seed and, and make some noise in the playoffs at home. Obviously, it didn't work out that way in the end. Uh, uh, Fangio out, uh, that was kind of out of the blue for me. I guess maybe down there you hear about some of the the tension uh, that they had with McDaniel. But I was a little surprised that Fangio's gone. Um, And, you know, look, they're going to be good again. The questions will be, you know, can they get it done at a big spot against a big team in in a big December game or in the playoffs? I mean, I think those are the lingering questions you have about Miami. Can they get it done in a big spot? They didn't get it done this year. You know, they'll run it back again next year and and see if they have a better fate. I'm sure they learned a lot from this season. You know, McDaniel is is an excellent coach, but still young, still growing. Um, So I I still think the future is bright, but until they win a big game 
we're going to have questions about them. And another South Florida team, or not really South Florida, but how about Florida team that has a lot of questions is, I think people forget that in the middle of the year, Jacksonville was the number one seed. Trevor Lawrence, you know, they had the first couple hiccups in the beginning of the season, and they went, and I think they won six in a row. They were rolling along, and then everything fell off. They don't even make the playoffs. And I think this is a big question mark of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we keep looking at him as this elite quarterback. He's elite, but what's he done? And I think that's the, you know, when you look at his numbers compared to Brock Purdy's numbers, Purdy's numbers are better than Trevor Lawrence's numbers by far. So I think that's the question with Jacksonville is like where when is Jacksonville going to take that next step uh, to become you know one of the top teams in the AFC? Yeah, I mean I really like the weapons they have on offense. So I, I thought they'd be better. You know I thought that Trevor and this offense would be better than they were. Uh, so I was surprised, a little disappointed in them as well the way that they finished the year. I mean that that was unbelievable. Um, but it's a great question. I, I still like Peterson. I still like Lawrence. Uh, but that division is getting tougher now. It used to be, you know, all right, AFC South, you know, one team will come out of it. Uh, but now you look around that division and you've got C.J. Stroud, uh, who I think is for real, and Houston's going to be a good team with D'Amico Ryans. You know, Indianapolis, we'll see about Richardson. He only, you know, only played four games this year. But, you know, first-round pick, and obviously they came a game away from the playoffs. And, you know, in Tennessee, obviously a bit of a rebuild, but, you know, maybe Levis is a guy that, that, you know, becomes a very dependable quarterback in this league. We'll see. So, you know, I think that Jacksonville is going to have to keep up with the times. It, it's, it's a better division. It's an improving division. And uh, they're going to have to play better because, you know, this is a, a team when you have a number one overall pick like Trevor Lawrence where the expectations are high. And, uh, you know, they want it down there. Uh, you know, I, I think that that fan base has really done a good job the last several years of getting behind that team, and, and they're hungry for playoff wins and and to, to make a statement, and they haven't really done that yet. So I think that uh, this is a big season coming up for the Jacks. Now, you did do the Jacksonville-Houston game, and I was there for the um, the houston Steeler game when Stroud had an amazing performance. What was it like talking to Stroud? What was it like, you know, in terms of talking to the team around there? I mean, they knew they were drafting. I mean, they want they were happy to draft Stroud at the second pick in the draft. But but he has to be, you know, they can't imagine that this first year I mean, is one of the greatest rookie seasons a player has ever had. Yeah. You know, I give a lot of credit to D'Amico Ryans. I thought that he just changed the culture as soon as he walked in that door. And, and the culture needed to change. I mean, it had been a rough stretch for the Texans. So the first, you know, tip of the cap goes to the head coach. I think he really energized the organization, energized the city. And now it looks like they struck gold with C.J. Stroud. I mean, give this kid a lot of credit. Uh, he really went in there with a professional approach. That's that's the word I would use to describe him. He's a pro. I mean, he you sit with him and you talk to him and, you know, he's, uh, he's very smart. Um, he, he's got a, a calmness and a poise about him. I think his teammates love him. Uh, I think there's a. I, I think this is uh, you know the start of something really special in Houston, and I think that the two of them, Ryan's and Stroud, are going to be right at the center of it. I, I think this is a really good place for the Texans after what have been a, a rough, rough patch for the last five, six years. And then turning to a quarterback that had struggled a lot this year, had injuries, and a team that just, as I said, I was in New York in the summer, and, and the expectations were, I mean, you, you know New York fans right now, the New York Knicks are the greatest team in the world, you know, this and this, the Jets and Giants. And, <laughs> and, and, yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, the, but the fact is that they were so positive. I was like, I was like, hold your horses, don't get so excited about this team. And certainly I was right and they were wrong. But what happened, I mean, this, not just Daniel Jones, but it just seemed everything went wrong with the Giants and 
and Brian Dable, who the year before had, you know, could do no wrong, could do no right this year. And it seems like, boy, the Giants are, this is, this is going to be a tough year, tough offseason and a really tough year this next year for the Giants. Yeah, disappointment for sure. Um, you know, you didn't see that coming after the, the, the year prior. The, the Jones injury obviously was a significant part of this story, but it just never clicked for them. They just never really got it together. Um, and, you know, living here in New Jersey, you get to hear and, and read about it all the time. Um, you know, I still believe in Brian Dable. I, I think he's an excellent coach. I just think it was one of those years, and I know you don't want to hear that if you're a Giants fan, but, you know, I'd expect them to bounce back. Now, that said, you know, we're talking about divisions. This division is going to be really good. I mean, the Cowboys and Eagles are going to be loaded up again, and Washington has some new energy, and with that draft pick they have, who knows who their quarterback will be. So, you know, I think the Giants are going to have to keep up with the Joneses, <laughs> no pun intended, and, you know, the Saquon Barkley decision will be a big part of this offseason. What do they do again? Do they tag him? Do they trade him? Um you know, there's some interesting pieces on the Giants. The offensive line was never healthy. I thought I thought that was a big part of it. But, you know, there's no doubt that it's time for the Giants to get going and it's another big year for uh, for Brian Dable. I was disappointed to turn to the other New York team to the, in the Jets. I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers goes down first season, you know, first game, and they win against Buffalo, which was crazy. But I felt like they almost it was almost used as an excuse during the whole year. And that game against the Dolphins when they played it, I was at that game here in Miami, and they you know no, they didn't give up any effort whatsoever. You know, the game was over at halftime. I, I just felt like the the whole season it was sort of like it's an excuse. Oh, we did, now we, you know, we lost Aaron, we don't have to win. And I just it was weird. It was just a weird season for the Jets in terms of. And I think I saw other teams that lost their starting quarterbacks and, and sort of battled harder than I think the Jets did this year. Yeah, another one. I mean, look, you can obviously point to the to, to the injury, but, you know, that defense is legit. Um, and, you know, they just it didn't seem like they ever adjusted after losing Rodgers, right? I mean, they just it just kind of was, all right, this is what we're going to run out. This is what we're doing. Um, but that, that's a team with that defense that, and again, I know down the stretch the defense didn't look great. You know, they got Miami in Miami, as you guys saw. You know, ripped them up pretty good. Um, but you know, by that point in the year, I think it was pretty much done for the Jets anyway. We'll see. I mean, obviously everything is riding on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that they're saying like, forget about what happened. We have <laughs> Rodgers back, and we're going to run it back again. We'll see. Uh, but you know, at his age, you know, can he stay healthy for the whole year? You know, I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, they're going to have a different backup quarterback. They're not going to have Zach Wilson here again. I would be shocked. Um, so, you know, it's hard to gauge, but all you do know and you do get the sense here that if it doesn't work this year, they're going to make massive changes. I mean, this is the year the Jets. Otherwise, you could probably say goodbye to a lot of people in that organization. So we'll see. I mean, I think that they need Rodgers to stay healthy, and we'll see if he's still got it. I think he does, but can he stay healthy is, is the big question in my mind. And then, you know, we're just two more teams, and then we're going to turn – I'm going to turn it over to Mike to, to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. But Denver intrigues me. Now, remember, Denver came here, and what, I think Miami scored 100 points on them. It was the most unbelievable game, and then they had a little nice run in the middle of the season. But this whole Russell Wilson benching, I mean, the cap hit they're going to have is tremendous. And we're – like, I'm a Steeler fan. 
I think we should go for Russell Wilson. I what I saw Russell, I his numbers and what I what I watched him like he's better than what we have. Let's he doesn't cost the Steelers any money to bring him in. I think some other, I think Russell Wilson is going to be more in demand this year because they actually is not costing anybody to sign him because the Denver's going to be paying all his salary. But I, I'm just amazed that Denver made that decision just to I mean Sean Payton made the decision just to get rid of Russell Wilson or it seems like he's going to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean it just doesn't seem like Sean Payton was ever a Russell Wilson guy. I mean, I'm sure he, you know, gave him a chance, but it's just, you know, new blood and new start, basically. It, it seems that way. I, I think Atlanta makes a lot of sense for Russell Wilson, too. I could see him maybe squeezing his way down there. I don't think he'll be back on Denver. I don't think that you'd really come back from the way that that happened. And, um, you know, Sean Payton is probably wants his own guy who who that is we don't know but it's going to be Drew a Brees guy. yeah exactly exactly who says yeah, yeah Drew Brees the is way that up. went down was very very odd in Denver I agree and then one last question before I turn it over to Mike is is the Bears with Justin Fields they have the number one pick in the draft Fields is sort of someone you watch some of these games and you're like wow he is amazing the plays and the games and then other games he looks absolutely horrendous it seems like he's going to be out of Chicago and they're going to draft but where do you think Fields goes where do you think a good spot for you know people are talking about him going to Atlanta and that may be a good spot for him yeah I think it's one of the most fascinating questions of the offseason is, is, is what happens with Justin Fields. I mean, their general manager, uh, Ryan Poles, I mean, he, he has such a massive decision to make here. Um, and uh, my guess is it probably changed a lot throughout the course of the year. I mean, early on, okay, move on. Well, then he comes back. They play well. The guys like him. Well, then what, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that what he does there with the draft pick and Fields is fascinating um, you could tell me they're going to trade him and get a whole bunch of picks. You could tell me they're going to keep him and draft the kid from Ohio State as a receiver to go with him, Harrison. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't envy that position either. I mean, you're talking about really the future of your franchise. I mean, well, who's the quarterback going to be? Do you pay Justin Fields? Do you bring in Caleb Williams? I, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, and I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make that decision either. And before I turn it over to Mike, my one Super Bowl question to you would be San Francisco. I, there were times I, I remember that first game of this against the Steelers when they completely destroyed the Steelers, and you're watching the game and it is over in like the first quarter, the first game of the year, and and you watch some of their games and it was like just domination, like one of the best football teams I've ever seen. And then they struggled in the middle and they had those three losses. The loss to the Ravens was shocking, and these two playoff games have been just you know head scratching in terms of what happened. Now, of course, the second half was great, but do you think this team can? You know, do you think San Francisco? Do you think those were just anomalies in the playoffs, or actually are they playing down to that? Will they be able to turn it on for the Super Bowl? And what do you think happened against Detroit and Green Bay where they didn't look sharp for stretches of the games? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, I would not be encouraged based on the way they've played the last month of the year. Um, do they still have the pieces where they can look like the teams or the team that blew out teams early? Yes. Uh, obviously, they're still there. Um, I think it's a huge spot for Shanahan. I mean, I think that this is a game that he's probably got the most pressure of anyone playing in the game. I mean, we know Mahomes is playing for history. We know Andy Reid is, you know, at a historic Hall of Fame run. I think Kyle Shanahan needs to win one of these things. I mean, you know, the Atlanta game when he was the offensive coordinator still kind of, you know, hangs over his head. Uh, they've come close the last couple of years but haven't gotten the job done. So whatever wasn't working in the playoffs and going back to the Baltimore game on Christmas, they need to figure it out because I think this is the time for that team to win. 
Mike, uh, throw, I'm throwing it back to you to ask your, your tough questions <laughs> well, on this game. I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you guys touched on it, I will. Andrew, here at Iron Sports, we're not a hot take factory. We, you know, we don't just throw stuff out. Around week 13, though, I made a comment and I had more listener feedback than ever calling me an idiot. I'm the dumbest person on the radio. I said I would take C.J. Stroud over Trevor Lawrence. And you throw the contracts out. Obviously, C.J. Stroud's going to be cheap for a while. If you're the GM of a team and you can start a team right now around C.J. Stroud or Trevor Lawrence, who are you taking? Because for me, it's Stroud. Yeah, I mean, I think that after this season, it, it's easier to say that. Um, you know, he, he looked great. Is it a one-year thing? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think C.J. Stroud's going to be a, a 10-year NFL you know, veteran quarterback. And, and you're right. I mean, it, going back to the, the point before, I think there's a lot of weapons around Trevor Lawrence where you'd expect them to play better. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's – I don't think you're crazy for saying that. I, I see your point, and, um, you know, I, I think that, that there's a lot of pressure on Trevor to, to step up. Maybe it's because we're in Florida and just got a lot of blowback <laughs> from Jags fans. But then people were not happy about my comments there. So I put you on the spot. Super Bowl, obviously, you knew you were going to get asked this. The national media, I think, is really rallying behind the Chiefs. And Vegas disagrees slightly, of course. The San Francisco is uh, favored by, you know, two points. Who are you taking? I, if, for me and Ira, we like San Francisco. I don't really know why. You know, we just talked about how they didn't have their best you know, foot forward throughout these two playoff games. But outside of the first quarter of the Ravens game, I didn't see the offense of the Chiefs do that great. They're winning the games on the backs of the defense, whereas we've seen that San Francisco's defense can be porous. Still, we like San Fran. You have to pick. Who do you like? You know, I think San Fran's the better team, um, and I think that they are a deserving favorite, even though it's not much. I just think it's really hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes. I bet against I mean, him three times so far in the playoffs, <laughs> and I have to sell my house now. Yeah, I mean, I just I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to pick against him. You know, if I had to, you know, you know, put a, a penny down on the game, which I'm not allowed to do, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't want to pick against him. So, you know, I, I think San Francisco should win the game, uh, but I'm not picking against Mahomes. So if I had to pick a team, I'd probably pick Kansas City. Um, but you know, I I think that. San Francisco is going to play a good game. Um, I know I'm kind of hedging here, and I'm not really giving you the answer. Okay. <laughs> You're a play-by-play. You're not the color guy. This You're is why you should host the Daily Show. You can play both sides. <laughs> I just think it's hard to pick against Mahomes. That's my bottom line. I've learned my lesson, and I can't do it again. I'm just taking touchdown props and stuff in this game because every time I bet against this guy, he beats me. So I, I I can't do it anymore, but I agree with you. I just I look at San Francisco and say, how could this team not end up the winner? Might not be the prettiest half, but what I saw them do in the second half against the Lions, if they can harness some of that, I just can't see them getting beat. But yeah, not betting against Patrick Mahomes anymore. I you have anything else for Andrew? We really appreciate your time, too. Yeah, Andrew, I just wanted to follow up on what you've said about Kyle Shanahan and how important this is. I mean, someone who, you know, he was not, I mean, sort of get unfairly a little blade for the Atlanta Patriot game because he was the coordinator in that game. But in terms of the Super Bowl, when he had a 2010 lead against the Chiefs with Garoppolo, it, there is that pressure, but he seems like he has all the weapons and they're all healthy. And you're right. It seems like that there is that pressure. It's like, Shannon, if you want to get to that next level, you want to be viewed in that special room, you know, with the Super Bowl, what you have to, you have to win this game. Uh, a lot of, you know, and, and it seems like he has the team to do it, but he just has to come forward and do it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think that we know who Patrick Mahomes is. We know who Andy Reid is. I mean, these are, these are all time, I think all time greats. Uh, I think Mahomes is in that category now. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan, I mean, they've had, you know, 
they have some great players. They, they've been there. They've been right on the doorstep a few times, and, and I think that he is one of the better coaches in the NFL. I, I, he, he could definitely coach my team if I had a team, but you want to see him win the big one, and that's why I think there's a lot of pressure on him uh, on Sunday against the Chiefs. And one of the players who I'm excited about in this game is that I, I love running backs. I've grown up with you know, Franco Harris and all that, so I love the running game. And I really think McCaffrey is going to come through. I think you're going to get these long runs. I think he's going to be dominant in this game against the Chiefs defense. And it'll be fun to get the running backs back because that's sort of what I grew up on. I'm looking for you know someone who you know is in Carolina. It seemed like forever and and just you know played and when teams won four and five games. I, I love to see McCaffrey have the, a huge game on the biggest stage. Yeah, I mean, he's look, he's one of the more talented players in the NFL, and they need him. I mean, obviously they have, you know, Debo and Ayuk and Kittle, and they have, you know, some great weapons on offense, but he's the, he's the engine that makes them go uh, dynamic in the run and the pass game. And, and you're right, he, he is the guy that needs to step up and, and, and set the tone for this 49ers team. So, so, Andrew, thank you. So I just I always love having you. I know you're busy with college basketball. You're going to golf and everything. But thank you so much for coming on and, and giving your summary of the season. Because, of course, you have so much insight uh, through a 18, or 18 game season that you get to talk to all the players and coaches. It's pretty cool that you can come on I Run Sports and, and give us your insight. You got it, guys. Anytime. Enjoy the game this Sunday. Awesome stuff. Always have, love having Andrew Cattle on here on Ira on Sports. Let's talk a little hoops, Ira. And this is one thing I've noticed this season is. Points are abundant. I mean, every day you look up and it's like, well, this guy dropped 50. This guy dropped 60. This guy dropped 70. It's really been a wild season and scoring is plentiful in the NBA right now. Yeah, it was a cra- it's a crazy year, but one of the players that scored 70, Embiid, looks like, and the big story of the news is, is that he hurt his knee and then he hurt his knee again and now he's had meniscus surgery. So it looks like the Sixers are done because he's been out for a long period of time. So I think that aspect on that injury, we're finally getting that injury front from Embiid, but he's never finished a season. So I don't think it's that big surprise but he, when he after he scored 70 everyone thought that was the big thing anything else you want to talk about in the NBA I heard interesting comments um, from Jamal Crawford actually on the radio talking about Luka Doncic and now he's an a, incredible player and we just saw him score 73 points but he's not winning games I mean they're, they're not even in close to finals contention and that's kind of a problem I mean you have these amazing guys he doesn't play much defense he really dishes the rock he scores but I don't know if it's there's not enough team around him or if he's just too much of a black hole of a player, which you can't really say because he gets the assist. It's just a weird situation in Dallas. Well, they brought Kyrie and they haven't been healthy and Kyrie hasn't been playing that much, but they, they definitely were coming up to the trade deadline on February 8th and this week. And this is what's so exciting about this time of year for the for the NBA because last year I was in Phoenix and I'm there and you hear Kevin Durant traded to Phoenix. Um, can the NBA upstage the NHL? The only thing I can think is if LeBron gets traded to the Knicks. And there's that talk. I mean, it, the Lakers were just Struggling, struggling. They had no LeBron AD. They actually were 15-point underdogs of the Celtics. They win the game, shockingly. Then they go and they and then they beat the Knicks, which is when the Knicks had injuries. And now you're thinking, well, maybe, but LeBron had all these hints where, you know, I like New York, I like this, I like that. I think LeBron to the Knicks would actually maybe, you know, would certainly... That would break a, the internet. That would be amazing <laughs> with that. Um, from the Heat's perspective, boy, they lost seven in a row. Then they lost to, you know, then they and then they beat Sacramento and Washington. And then yesterday, last night, they beat the Clippers. Uh, they lost to the Clippers and who who have now the Clippers are like 25 of the last 30 games Harden, Leonard, George they're healthy like they are looking with Denver as one of the favorites in the West so they're exciting to, to watch but I think again the deadline February 8th let's see what happens at this deadline and nothing I don't think nothing will be shake the internet but of course if LeBron gets traded that would so let's talk a little golf here kind of wild what happened here uh, at Pebble Beach 
Wyndham Clark after after Saturday. In the lead, obviously, bad weather coming tomorrow. And he made a comment like, not going to bother me if we only play 54 holes. Obviously, he's tongue-in-cheek. He's leading. But that ended up being the result now. We're going to close this one to 54 holes. Congratulations to U.S. Open champ Wyndham Clark getting another win. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. It's a weird tournament. You play with... You play with um, uh, you, you play this tournament on two different courses, and then they play, and then they play on one course, and you're playing with an amateur the entire time. So that whole thing was strange how they were doing everything. But Wyndham Clark has a win. Rory didn't play well at all. He was he finished 66th out of an 80 uh, field, and Ricky Fowler didn't do well too. They're both going to be at the Cognizant Classic. He was 547th back. But again, it was like one of those things where they decided they were going to push it to Monday, and it was still raining there to push it to Tuesday, and they decided just to end it at three rounds, which is what Liv has. They were the criticism. Yeah. <laughs> the Liv only plays 54 holes. That's all they played. Waste management coming up next. Everyone loves uh, that one. Of course, we'll keep you updated on that here on Iron Sports. Talking Liv a little bit, Joaquin Neiman got himself a win. And this was weird because he went into the final round he got there and got a two-stroke penalty for a mistake he made the day prior, still is able to hold out and get the victory. But so when you look at the leaderboard on both, you're looking at the Pell Beach leaderboard and there's like, you know, Ludwig Adberg and some other players that you don't really know. And you look at the Liv leaderboard, John Rahm, his first Liv tournament, he finished third, 10 under. Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka were fifth. And then Neenam won over Sergio Garcia. So you, you're looking at Liv and you're like, those are the big names. Yeah, and I these think guys that's, are pretty good. But that's what, I think that's what the Rahm factor. I think Rahm going in there and doing well that first, that first tournament. And they actually added Terrell Hatton and another one of a players that Ron wanted to add, he actually finished in eighth place. So you're starting to see from the Cam Smith that all these players that are up there, the better players it looks like are playing on the Live Tour. We've been saying it for a long yes. time now. I mean, what is it, 18 of the last 24 majors <laughs> belong to Live guys. The Cognizant, it's you know formerly known as the Honda Classic. They're making moves here, Ira. You got to give them credit. They got Rory McIlroy hasn't played here in what five, six years. We haven't seen Ricky Fowler in a while. They got both two of the biggest names on the tour are going to be here in Palm Beach Gardens. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I was shocked if I had that. We're going to see what who else decides to come. Remember, they play this and they play Bay Hill and then the players. So a lot of players didn't want to play three straight tournaments. But it looks like Rory uh, decided. The question is, will Justin Thomas decide to come? You would think that some of the guys will fall in line. And and we'll see. Daniel Berger would be a nice appearance. So I know you're going on Tuesday tomorrow to the press conference, so that should be exciting. Yeah, we can't wait to let you guys know uh, what happened to here. I'll be there for sure. Auto racing, what do you want to talk about here? Uh, Lewis Hamilton, shocking to everyone. He's going to Ferrari from Mercedes. He won one title with McLaren, won six at Mercedes, hasn't won anything in the last two years, and now he's going to Ferrari. The rumors have been going on for years that he would want, wanted to end his career at Ferrari, and they made the move. But the weird thing is it's not this year. It's going to be a next, the year after next, which is so weird because he would ride for Mercedes this year and then have to go, which is crazy. Kind of weird. And then in boxing, we had a little bit of a shakeup. Well, Usyk and Fury, they were supposed to fight for the heavyweight champion of the world. Fury was cut in his eye, so that's been pushed back till March. And then, of course, I mean, someone who I think is one of the greatest actors, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, the Rocky movies are my favorite. He was the best actor in those movies, and he passed away. And it was just one of those movies are just tremendous movies, and I just loved how he played Apollo Creed. It's two of the most iconic handshakes in film history. Him and Arnold Schwarzenegger joining arms, and... <laughs> Adam Sandler shaking his broken hand after he breaks his wooden hand uh, that got eaten by the alligator. So, in Happy Carl, Gilmore. In Happy Gilmore. Carl Weathers owns the two most iconic movie handshakes of all time.
in that and in terms of, in terms of sports, the Rocky and Happy Gilmore, golf and boxing. That's pretty amazing. So that's why we thought we brought him up because in terms of his involvement in sports, movies. a heck of a career. He'll be missed. Ira, we already talked about it. Your plans for this week? You're not going to the Super Bowl, according to you. You're not going to the Super no. Bowl. Follow at Ira on sports to find out if Ira does or does not go to the Super Bowl. But what's your plan? You get to Vegas and then you've got parties lined up. You know, they, everything's ready to go for just you. Just going to no, but just you just play it by ear and go to different parties and just where you know Friday Friday and Saturday are, are fun to go to theirs and then Saturday Sunday maybe go to a pregame. Remember the Super Bowl's earlier there, so it starts at three o'clock. It's not like late at night. So Sunday is really sort of a washed out day in terms of maybe some pregame stuff like that. But it's not it's not Sunday when you're on the West Coast is not on the East Coast. It's a much longer day. The game's at six thirty. The different three hour difference is big. It's wild how you fly by the seat of your pants on all this stuff. You go to these events with no ticket. You're like, I'll figure it out. Me, I need a plan. Here's my hotel room. Here's my ticket. You just go. And that's why I'm not going to be shocked if no, we find you at no, the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. We're out of time. Andrew Catalan, thank you so much for joining us. He's Ira. I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.